It's time for episode 204 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August 30th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where it's summertime and the living is easy. Or at least it was, but now I'm back from vacation, so it's it's less easy. I'm Dan Morin, your co-host, and I'm joined across the internet by my co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah. How are you doing today? You know, the living is not easy, Dan, but we keep on keeping <laughs> on and keep watching the clock and knowing that time keeps marching forward, whether we're ready for it to or not. So yeah, it's a great day. How y'all doing? Wow, that, that I really feel like <laughs> I really feel like we started the show on a different note today. That's cool. <laughs> That's that got cool. so dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the show where we talk about technology topics with two guests. To my left, our first guest, he's the CEO slash lackey at Rogue Amoeba, Paul Cafasis is back. Welcome back, Paul. I'm having an existential crisis over <laughs> here now, guys, so uh, I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, the darkest episode. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's a good title. I apologize for that. Uh, to my left is Chelalau Russo, who is a writer and social media master at Mobile Nations. <laughs> and we are happy to have you back, Chella. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. Like after your comment, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out if I'm real or not right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm in a whole nother realm, but let's keep talking. <laughs> oh man. Wow. I thought it was just Wednesday, but apparently there's a lot happening today. Well, <laughs> let's 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 dial it back to technology. Uh, I'm the designated co-host today, so I'll kick things off. Uh, we've got rumors that an Apple event is coming in a couple weeks in September, and one of the products rumored to be there is a new Apple TV. And that self-same rumor mill has suggested that the, the features we're likely to see there are uh, the inclusion of 4K resolution and HDR support on that Apple TV. My question for you guys, is that a compelling enough feature upgrade for you to think about upgrading your Apple TV or buying an Apple TV if you don't already have one? And if not, what else do you wish the Apple TV had, Paul? Well, so I don't have any 4K anything right now, so I don't... So the short answer is I don't think that would be interesting without a 4K screen. It doesn't do me much good. Um, I looked uh, you you when you mentioned this. I looked a little bit at 4K and uh, it. Uh, I'm sure it looks nice, but I've got uh, 1080p right now and it seems pretty good. So <laughs> that's that. This doesn't seem like a huge step up, but I think it's sort of a. It's something that keeps uh, the Apple TV at pace with where things are going. So it's it seems like an obvious thing for them to do either now or soon but it doesn't seem terribly compelling for me for as far as what would be compelling on a new apple tv i don't know that i need new hardware the current apple tv is i want to say it's two years old is that right yeah yeah i think so uh but you know the apps that i use on there i use a half dozen different apps netflix uh, ps view mlb uh, and a couple different games i have a nice bluetooth gaming controller so really, I just want some more software. I want to see the Amazon Instant Video app, uh, Prime Video app, which is coming sometime this year and maybe this, uh, maybe at this event. And I'd love to see some more games because the controller that I have is really nice and the games that are on the platform are largely pretty mediocre. There's a few good ones and not much else. But uh, yeah, I don't know. 4K doesn't really do anything for me right now, but I, I'm curious if I'm an outlier there. 
Uh, at least with me, you're not. Um, I think the, the same thing. The 4K, the HDR, it's cool. And when someone points it out to me very clearly and says, do you see how this orange is so much richer than this orange? Then suddenly I realize that it exists. But other than that, a lot of times media consumption for me is just... Uh, a way to distract myself from the impending doom of the universe. And so, <laughs> Mike, oh, wait, deal, no. dial back. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. It got dark there again. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> So 4, 4K and HDR um, don't don't matter all that much to me. But I guess if if you know we're looking at a new Apple TV, I sort of like the old school rumors where this uh, new Apple TV was supposed to be kind of like an all-in-one box that had your Wi-Fi and your Apple TV and your your Siri built into it. Um, it would be interesting if some of those rumors in some way showed themselves so we could have maybe you know a router or something uh built into the apple tv but yeah as as a box with with the content that i enjoy consuming it's fine uh but certainly add uh amazon's app because i don't really like to have to airplay from my phone to do that jella what about you um, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. I mean, like, it's it's neat. It's definitely, like, a very cool feature when someone, you know, points out that it's, you know, something's in 4K. And, like, I watch a ton of YouTube videos and a bunch of, um, you know, makeup reviewers and stuff. And they've started to shoot in 4K, too. And they're like, oh, I have this new 4K this. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, everything just, it, it looks crisper. It looks nicer. That's great. And it's like, it's nice, right? But I wouldn't say it's something that's a huge selling feature to me. Um, and I personally don't have an Apple TV, but I do have friends who have it and they love it. And my uncle has one, he loves it. And I just, it, like, it's neat. Like, I, I don't really know another word how to describe it other than, like, it's not a necessity. It's not something that's a huge selling point, but it's like, okay, that's neat. Cool. And then I move on, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. 4K and HDR, I don't have a 4K TV. My TV is only a few years old, so I'm not planning on replacing it anytime soon. From everybody I've heard that has seen both HDR, which is the high dynamic range that you already kind of get when you um, take photos with your iPhone, for example, and it sort of tries to balance out the colors. HDR content is supposed to be more of a perceptible difference, but 4K, you know, it's more pixels. At the distance most of us sit from our TV, I feel like the difference is probably pretty minor um so i'm not super jazzed about this as an update what i would like to see is i really do like the siri integration that apple has done in terms of the functionality of it but i hate that it's tied to the remote i would love to have another way to quickly and easily access siri preferably just like as an amazon echo style thing where i could just say hey apple tv you know rewind 10 seconds or whatever because i find i end up scrabbling around looking for the remote and realizing oh yeah it's buried in this basket under all the other remotes so i would like to see some sort of improvement on the siri front but yeah 4k and hdr not really doing it for me thanks for your thoughts on that let's go to our second topic which comes from paul well so i want to do something a little different i wanted to do a completely unscientific poll among a ridiculously small sample size uh of four people uh but basically the basic question i have for you is do you have cable uh have you ever had it if not uh and have you actually cut the cord from cable and then you know two minutes of of discussion on how that's gone for you uh i recently switched to ps view which is a streaming service and i love it because i hate comcast as all right-thinking Americans do, and I'm happy to be giving them less money. Uh, but I'm curious if others here have made that switch and how it's gone for them. Yeah, I once had cable, um, and 
I, well, actually, it was it was satellite, but you know, same sort of deal. Same and thing, yeah. I I didn't really use as much as I thought I would because I I was kind of like whenever I left for college, however many years ago that was, I, uh, I I didn't have cable, you know, all through college, and then right out of college didn't have cable, and then you know, finally was able to afford it and thought that I needed it because growing up I had it. And it turned out, no, I absolutely did not. Most of the channels went unwatched and I found myself turning to Netflix and uh, Hulu and other things like that anyway. So I was paying for this cable subscription on top of the subscription services. So I ended up cutting the cord. Um, in fact, I had my partner do it because I hate talking to the people and having them try to sell me on a bunch of things. And he was able to get it done in like like 30 seconds. I was like, how did you do that? They always talk to me for seven hours. But anyway, I got rid of cable. Uh, and I am very much happy with just having Netflix, Hulu. And then whenever this uh, this Trek series comes out, then I'll have CBS All Access again. What about you, Chella? Well, um, I actually, this is the first year I've moved out of my out of my. I guess, parents' house. So I moved in with my boyfriend in March uh, to our first apartment, which was exciting. But um, we we kind of decided, both of us were like, okay, we can't really afford cable, we can't really do this. Although my mom has had satellite and cable, and my dad's always been into that too. Um, so when we moved here, I was like, oh no, it's it's just going to be Netflix. And and actually, I've kind of impl- started implementing uh, YouTube to be kind of like my go-to source for different things. And I I watch YouTube probably more than I watch Netflix now. Like, we're very, very minimal. I We just use this uh, PlayStation. And so, like, it's... I actually quite like it. I feel like I, I get just enough content where I, you know, am able to kind of get get the point that's being delivered across, like, the news or the this or the this or whatever. Um, but I'm not oversaturating myself with, like, 4,000 channels and I feel the need to, like, sit on the couch and actually watch TV. Because I almost felt, like, the need to do that. When I go to visit my mom, I almost feel the same need to sit on the couch and watch TV because I'm like, well, I don't have this opportunity at home. And then I'm like, what am I thinking? This is so stupid. So, like, yeah, that, that's my logic behind it. Uh, I've, for the majority of my life, I have never had cable. Uh, we didn't have it growing up. Uh, when I, first couple of years of college, when I lived in a dorm, didn't have TV, uh, lived off campus in an apartment for a couple of years, and we did have cable because there, we, I lived in, <laughs> I went to college in a uh, big valley in upstate New York, and you couldn't get uh, over the air signals. Uh, didn't have it after leaving college, although like my brief stint living at my parents' house, they had gotten it by that point. And then oh, basically, once you moved out. Yeah, exactly. As soon as I moved out, they're like, oh, Fios, this sounds great. Um, <laughs> and I didn't have it in most of my apartments. My One of my roommates paid for it for a while, but I only ever used the internet, not the TV part of it. Uh, and I've lived in my current apartment for seven years now. Never had cable here, just Comcast Internet, which, you know, Comcast is kind of one of the options. Basically, one of two options the here. Option, right? Yeah, there's RCN in Somerville here, but it's yeah, it's pretty comparable. Um, I do, however, have Comcast in certain areas, including my area, has this Stream TV thing, which is like their their streaming service that you can pay ten bucks a month extra and get access to a bunch of stuff via an iOS app or on the web. So I've been paying for that mainly because it also gives you access to HBO Go. And it's $10 a month, which is $5 a month cheaper than paying for HBO <laughs> on its own. So, win! Um, but yeah, most of the stuff I've been watching on Hulu and Netflix and probably some other streaming services along the way. So, I don't miss it. Have no problem with it. I really don't want... I've seen Hulu adding their live TV option. And I keep thinking, 
like, oh, that could be interesting. And I stop and realize I never want to watch TV when it is actually on. Never. This is the greatest joy of my life has been able to watch whatever show I want at any time. I do not want to go back uh, to the old way of doing things. So, Paul, does that satisfy your scientific curiosity with our poll there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so it's interesting because uh, two two of the four uh, have no access to live TV at all. You have a little bit of access to live TV with the Comcast thing. Uh, I have always had cable. Uh, you know, my parents had it. Uh, once I moved out, I had it uh, in large part for live sports. So mm-hmm. it's very difficult to get live sports uh, via the internet because of all sorts of cable industry blackout regulations. Right. So if you want to watch the Red Sox every day, which is what I do, uh, you need to either have cable or very recently have something like PS View, which has uh, live streams of the Nessun uh, Red Sox TV network, basically. And so it's interesting that uh, basically three out of four people here are not interested in live TV at all. I'm pretty much only interested in it for sports. And I'm, you know, obviously, again, very unscientific, but I'm I'm interested to see how much people are at all interested in live TV or is it really something where if you can get that access to that content some other way when you choose via, you know, Hulu, Netflix, which is often months later, or even something like HBO where you can watch it, you know, the next day if you want to. Uh, I think it's. I think a whole lot of people are headed that way, and I'm. I'm curious how that'll go long term because all these live streaming options like Hulu and YouTube and PS View and all of them are sort of competing with cable. But it's possible that people don't really care that much about that in the first place. Yep. Well, life's. It's the way of the old, and we've ushered in the way of the new. Um, all right, it's halftime. That's two topics down. This week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our good friends at Linode. Linode lets you get up, set up in seconds with their fast and powerful hosting. Their tools are easy to understand, and they let you choose your resources in Linux distribution, giving you the power and flexibility you need. And Linode plans now start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with a gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Linode has over 400,000 customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC if you are so inclined in the Linode community. If you need help, Linode's there for you. Linode's control panel is beautifully designed with a focus on ease and simplicity. It allows you to deploy, boot, resize, and clone in just a few clicks. They've got comprehensive guides and support documentation to teach you everything you need to know for setting up and managing your virtual servers. I've used a bunch of those to configure a whole host of services, uh, and it's they make it really, really easy to do so. Uh, in terms of security, they feature two-factor authentication to keep you safe. You can create snapshot images of your disk volumes for backup and replication. Linode is basically the full package for your server infrastructure needs. They've got the power you require, as well as the infrastructure and assistance that you want. As I mentioned up top, Linode has fantastic pricing options available. You can get a server with a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and you can go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM for just $60 a month. Across the board, Linode is offering twice the amount of RAM you'll get elsewhere. And best of all, if you're a listener of this show, which you are because you're hearing this ad, you can sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, and you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll also get $20 towards in any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is nothing at all to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or use the promo code CLOCKWISE2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting the show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime is over. Micah, what do you got for us? Well, we heard that um, Cortana and... A-L-E-X-A, uh, Amazon's, Amazon's assistant. 
<laughs> are going to start playing well together. Uh, apparently, we'll see Cortana on uh, different ALEXA-enabled devices, and we will see um, that Amazon's Assistant on Microsoft's devices. So my question for you is... Does this make sense? Does a does a multi voice like smart speaker or laptop or phone make sense to you? Is this something that you want where you have multiple assistants that you can talk to, like several friends in your pocket? Chella, we'll start with you. <laughs> so um I I actually don't own I don't own any of these. I don't own Alexa, I don't own any of uh, any of these services, and honestly, they've just never really been that appealing to me maybe it's because in canada we like it hasn't really been pushed as much and maybe i'm i'm the odd one out but i don't really see a lot of my friends or a lot of um people or a lot of canadians i know having these advice devices i think they're more like kind of an american thing and again i might be wrong i might be the odd one out um but it doesn't really like i i just don't think it affects me that much and as like Honestly, I find it more entertaining to kind of keep up with the news and all the changes, but at the end of the day, it doesn't affect me. So I'm I'm just kind of like, okay, just like the 4K, you know, TV and everything. I'm like, all right, like, neat, neat, cool, or interesting. So uh, it's it's just not really something that's on my docket or something that's on my wish list or even something I think about that often just because it's not that prevalent, I'd say. I think it's interesting in that both of these companies have realized that there are gaps in their functionality that the other one can help them. You know, for for example, uh, Amazon seems to think that integrating with Cortana will let it perhaps make some forays into the enterprise market because Cortana, being from Microsoft, has better integration with things like Outlook uh, and, you know, enterprise kinds of technology, things that people are doing potentially at work. I don't know if anybody uses Cortana. I'm kind of skeptical about it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and for Microsoft's part, it gets access to a huge platform, you know, right? All these Echo devices are already out there. If they can build sort of an integration with Cortana, then that means that they are suddenly in a lot more places. So it makes sense for them. Neither of these have quite the same ecosystem set up that they, in terms of um, Google and Apple when it comes to their voice assistants, which are tied primarily to their smartphones, although Google also has the Google Home, uh, and Apple will have the HomePod later this year. So I think it's an interesting idea, because otherwise you end up with these weird different like silos of, of different things. I have a Google Home and an Echo here, and maybe this will streamline things a little bit. But it is a bizarre... Uh, decision and kind of weird and i especially thought the press release which was like about you know these two things these two assistants talking to each other sounded weird it sounded like two parents talking about announcing that their kids would be friends now <laughs> I, I don't know what the deal is for that it's very bizarre paul what do you think well so i also don't have a smart speaker i'm not really interested in a smart speaker right now but setting that aside this seems bizarre to me that i'm going to talk to an echo and say hey cortana help me out uh I, uh, what what you said that uh, some of them, e each one can have a specialty that you know it might be better at. Uh, I can see how uh, one of these assistants could be better at something specific than another. Amazon's doing better with shopping would make sense, obviously. But do I need to remember that? Do I need to say like, hey, I need to ask Alexa this instead of Cortana this because Alexa's the one that's she's my shopping buddy instead of my <laughs> enterprise buddy or or whatever. Uh, given that. Siri Siri is what I've got on my phone, and I use it once in a while uh, for queries, and about half the time I'm frustrated because the response is garbage. So I don't use it that often. I don't really trust these things to be helpful. 
Uh, so having multiple unhelpful assistants doesn't seem like a win to me. Uh, but obviously, Micah, you have uh, Alexa in the house, which is why you can't mention her name. Uh, so uh, do you, and Dan, you, you as well, do you, do you guys use these frequently or is it something of a novelty because you guys are tech writers or, you know, how's, how is it working for you with just one and, and how's that going to work with more than one? So, so actually, to be clear, I have uh, as well. So, in in my like in the living space, because um, my partner likes um, the Echo, and so we have like a, a tower Echo in in the main living space that everybody uses. And then I have a Dot uh, in my office, as well as the Google Home in my office, um, mostly for testing. Like those are novelty devices. And frankly, I use voice controlled assistants a lot less than I see what I consider normal people. The people who aren't steeped in technology, like I see, uh, again, my, my partner and, and family members and things like that using this technology and loving it and and basically like letting it be the, the control system for everything. Whereas I don't know if it's like, I feel like I've lost a sense of control or something, but I end up, man, we're getting so, I'm getting so dark. But anyway, I, I end up using, you know, apps and things like that to control it. But I this is this is my thing about these different devices. I shouldn't, you know, in, in a perfect world, uh, I shouldn't have to have more than one voice assistant. Right. I would hope that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that Amazon would be uh, enterprising enough to incorporate all of the capabilities of Cortana or all of the capabilities of, um, of, of Siri or whatever it happens to be, whatever the assistant is, like they should all be able to do all the things because it doesn't make sense for me to have to talk to like one person and they can access my calendar. And then I talk to the other person and they can access my email. No, I just want the one assistant that can do all of those things. So thank you all for your answers on that. Chella, let's go to you for your question. For sure. So um, I was basically really, really excited a few weeks ago when Apple finally made an appearance on Instagram. Um, and I was just so jazzed and started scrolling through all the different content. And the one thing that caught my eye was Apple mentioned that, you know, if you're taking pictures or videos or something that's just so vibrant and beautiful or whatever with your iPhone and you upload it to Instagram, you'll have a chance to be featured. And going through all some of the, I guess, the profiles and whatnot, I saw that some of them had smaller follower counts. Some of them had very large follower counts. So I'm like, I'm wondering, like, what do you guys think it would take to be featured or to have your photography featured across Apple's social media? Because first off, I think that would be so supremely cool. And um, for me personally, I just I just think it's such an awesome opportunity for people. Uh, I think step one for me would be I, ha- I would have to be a much better photographer. Uh, because <laughs> they're not going to feature any of the really stupid snapshots that I post, that is for sure. I don't know. I'm never sure about the uh, the social media impact of these things. I don't know how they find these things, whether knowing Apple, I would not be surprised that they were carefully sort of curating and looking at the submissions on these hashtags, etc. I mean, they've done in the past. They've shot these shot on iPhone uh, ad campaign. I've seen gigantic billboards for that both here and uh, down in D.C. where my girlfriend lived for a while. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't know how they go through and select these things, but kind of get the feel that there's probably a person back there who's actually just looking at them and, and trying to suss out what, what they think the, the best looking shot is that, you know, really exemplifies the capabilities of the iPhone. Cause at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is sell iPhone. So they're going to try to find, uh, the kind of pictures that probably make people look at it and go like, Whoa, you can do that on an iPhone. Like I'm, I should consider buying an iPhone for my next smartphone. So I think it's probably pretty, pretty mercenary. Sure. 
Yeah, I was, I was, I looked at this, and the superficial answer is tag your photos with hashtag shot on iPhone, which seems like a sort of desperate thing to do for every photo you post. <laughs> uh, so, I, but if if that's the if that's the very first criteria that Apple uses to to winnow down what they're looking at, there's still going to be thousands of photos. Uh, but it's pretty clear just from looking at a few of the photos that they're focused on what's selling what are the selling points of the camera which is there's some underwater photography on there right now so you know the waterproof iphone 7 where maybe you need a case maybe you don't but uh you can take photos underwater uh things like slow-mo i saw which the phone does pretty well and portrait effect it's it's pretty clear that if you're using the camera in the way that their advertising wants you to use it uh you'll, you'll probably have a better shot uh sort of a tangent on this though i was i i hadn't realized apple had an instagram so i took a look at it and when I did, I looked at it via the web, and I thought to myself, it's really good that Instagram has updated their app such that comments are not as visible as they used to be, because the comments on these photos are a cesspool. <laughs> it is nothing but complaints. Oh, it's terrible. So if you look on the web, you wind up seeing more comments per photo than you do just scrolling in the app. And it is, it, it is a whole bunch of complaints about price, about the iPhone 8, which oh doesn't even Lord. exist yet. Oh and then more recently, it was actually kind of interesting because apparently Apple has uh, some issues in the country of Iran right now. They've removed some apps, and I had not heard this story until I saw yeah, people I'm complaining see, I'm on... i now, yeah. Right, oh they're complaining gosh, on too. Apple's Instagram about photos that have nothing to do with this. You know, it's a photo of the solar eclipse, and there are complaints about Apple removing apps in the Iranian uh, app store. So the hashtag stop removing Iranian apps. Exactly. <laughs> so it's uh, obviously, again, a tangent from, from the question itself, but uh, Instagram comments are a cesspool and it's funny to look at. <laughs> oh, man. So I think, you know, in order to keep yourself from looking desperate, the first thing you do is hire somebody who can comment on every single one of your photos. Is this hashtag shot on iPhone question mark? <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> oh, my God, Mike, I'm going to start doing that to you. <laughs> okay, my rate is $5 per comment. Uh, but once once you get that out of the way, I absolutely agree, I think, with Paul. Uh, the, the, the fact that these photos are very clearly... Um, geared toward showing you what you can shoot on iPhone. It's not just like, this photo was shot on iPhone. It's like, can you believe this photo was shot on iPhone? Um, so we're, we're looking at photos that make use of, of portrait mode, that make use of, of, you know, dual camera system for whatever it happens to be, the waterproof stuff. And then also um, finding those really cool apps, like I think, what are they called? Cinemagrams, where part of the photo is frozen, mm -hmm. part of it's in movement, uh, because Apple is just as likely to want to say, hey, we've got these really cool apps in our app store that can take your right. photos from, you know, zero to 100 real quick. Um, so combining those things, I think, uh, especially that first one, will help you to uh, get your photo featured. And I will say, too, it looks like, you know, Apple's being pretty, they're certainly being careful about what they share and, and, are, are being choosy. However, most of the posts are multi-photo posts, which means that mm -hmm. they're not being so closed off that you could never, ever, ever possibly get featured. Um, there's an opportunity there to, to get your photo in because they, they seem to be posting quite a few. For sure. 
All right. Um, well, that is four topics down. I think we've got just enough time for a bonus topic. And this week's bonus topic is brought to you by Balance. Balance are the team behind Balance for Mac, the app for helping you monitor all your bank accounts and bank balances and card transactions. The Balance folk have also just launched Balance Open. This is a free open source Mac app for checking Coinbase, which is a popular marketplace for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Balance Open is the best open source digital wallet to help you keep track of everything. If you're not familiar with this stuff, that's okay. Balance wants to help you teach you about cryptocurrencies, and they're going to do that by starting you on your way. The first 1,000 people that go to bal.money slash relay will receive $2 in the Ethereum currency for free as a gift from Balance. Go check it out today, find out more, and try out Balance Open. Our thanks to Balance for their support of the show. And the bonus topic this week, really quick, uh, what's your preferred soundtrack when working? Music, uh, instrumental music, radio, nothing? Paul? Uh, I, I often go with nothing, but, uh, instrumental music is definitely my go-to. I've, I've, I feel like I've had this question just pop up randomly and, uh, there's a band called Explosions in the Sky who do, uh, uh, electronic rock, but with, uh, (laughs) with no vocals. And I find not having vocals makes it easier to sort of tune in and out of it, uh, and focus on work. For, for me, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's masterpiece for the social network, uh, the soundtrack there, I, I will, t- anytime I need to get into the flow, I turn on that soundtrack and just hit the repeat button and listen all the way through over and over and over again until I'm done. I, uh, I listen to really loud, blaring classical music, like just over the top opera or Bach, Beethoven, something like that. Or I just listen to some like light jazz and like doodly doo doodly doo in the background. <laughs> I love uh, it. And I'm a music soundtrack person, so I listen to a lot of film scores while I'm working because it helps me get in that really cinematic frame of mind, which I totally need when writing tech journalism. Uh, thanks for your answers on that. And uh, that's uh, that's all we got. So all that remains is for us to thank our guests. Paul Cafasis, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And Cella LaRusso, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, and, and Mike, I hope you're feeling a little better about the world now. I am. You know, I'm going to turn on my soundtrack and I'm going to just uh, take it easy. All right. Excellent. Well, everybody else out there should take it easy, too. But until we see them next time, we shall remind them, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>